Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Hello, and welcome to the Debrief from the Business of Fashion, where each week we go deep on our most popular BOF professional stories with the correspondents who created them. I'm Lauren Sherman. On page 22 of Gucci's presentation at Parent Company Caring's recent Capital Markets Day, there was an interesting announcement. The Italian mega brand had done some significant restructuring. While Alessandro Michele remains Gucci's sole creative director, a longtime deputy is now dedicated to the development of the brand's commercial collections in a newly created role. Meanwhile, a business side executive, Maria Cristina Lamanto, has been recruited to oversee merchandising and brand elevation. Why the shakeup? Over the past seven years, Michele has helped transform Gucci into a pop culture juggernaut, so major that the name of the brand is now slang for all good. But while annual sales reached nearly 10 billion euros in 2021, growth has slowed and CEO Marco Bizzari has employed a number of tactics to get things back on track. So what is Gucci hoping the new creative configuration will achieve? Joining me today is Bernstein analyst Luca Solka, who recently wrote a column for BOF dissecting the move. And just a quick note, we did experience some technical difficulties during this episode. I apologize in advance, so enjoy. So Luca, thank you so much for being here. You're very welcome. So to start, can we sort of break down the phenomenon that is Gucci and what has happened over the last seven years at that business? Well, I think that Gucci has indeed produced an incredible and extraordinarily successful reinvention. You could credit Gucci for uh, inventing new luxury and uh, integrating heritage and tradition with streetwear, with cool and expanding the luxury goods industry into new product families in the process, like uh, sneakers, for example. But more importantly, giving it an edge that would uh, resonate with younger consumers who would be embracing more casual products and styles. If anything, we need to look at Uh, the competitive developments that followed the Gucci reinvention in 2015. You could argue that uh, Vuitton has taken Gucci as an example when Virgil Abloh, as their creative director for menswear, when they decided to launch a collaboration with Supreme, the quintessential streetwear brand. So 
I think Gucci has managed to become far, far more relevant to consumers, and you could uh, clearly see it in the first few years of this reinvention, top-line growth at Gucci has been phenomenal. What I think has been happening more recently is that uh, on a more of the same trend, the momentum for Gucci, when you look at, for example, traffic in store, when you look at organic growth relative to the other mega brands as uh, reduced and needs some rekindling, if you see what I mean. You mentioned in the column that you wrote for BOF that Gucci is sort of at its best when it's over the top. And can you explain what that means going back to the Tom Ford years when the brand was really set on the global stage for not the first time, but really as a fashion brand on the global stage for the first time? And what that over the top means today. My assumption is if you do take fashion to the extreme and people really, really love it, then they also might fall out of love with it more quickly than something slower and more steady. Well, you know, we like to lump together the luxury goods and fashion brands into a group, but it's true that uh, each and every one of them is different from the other. When it comes to Gucci, I think it has a bit of a dual soul. On the one hand, uh, there's a heritage and quality and tradition background to Gucci. But on the other, it is also a brand that uh, stands out. It's not a brand for the mainstream. It's not a brand for, let's say, the discreet or the demure And in fact, if we go back to the history of Gucci, we see that during times when the creative leadership was on the front foot, take Tom Ford with Saxe, or more recently with Alessandro Michele in Baroque, Gucci was able to attract consumer attention. Under Frida Giannini, I think Gucci tried to be a bit too much bon chic, bon genre, tried to go too much to the archives without necessarily maintaining the strong grip, the leading role it would need in terms of interpreting the spirit of the times. So when we look at that time, we see a bit of a consolidation. We don't see the same progression that we had instead during the 10 years of Tom Ford and Alessandro Michele more recently. What do you identify as Gucci's biggest challenges right now? Well, I I think that as Gucci was so successful in the past few years and consumers who were enthusiastic about it bought a lot, Gucci needs to provide new reasons to consumers to buy even more. So in a way, the onus is on Gucci to continue to drive newness so that consumers can turn their heads and say, wow, this is something I don't have. I want to buy it. And I think this is by far the most important uh, challenge that Gucci is facing at the moment. The impression one had was that this is an even more important issue in areas where Gucci had an early success. If we look at China, for example, this is the area where the new Gucci had an astounding success starting in 2016, 2017. And quite uh, likely, consumers in China had bought a lot back then and confronted with the prospect of spending more. 
to buy luxury goods products at home, some of them must have decided that they maybe had enough and would buy other products instead. So that, I think, if we can boil it down to one word, is maintaining newness as the key driver of consumer demand. So recently the company made a move to help reignite that spark. They reorganized the business a bit. Can you break down exactly what they've done? They're trying to work on two fronts, which seems quite sensible. On the one hand, they have created a new position, and that position occupied by Maria Cristina Lomanto, recruited uh, from the market outside of Gucci, is going to be responsible for a number of things, but primarily merchandising and uh, brand elevation. Merchandising, I thought, was a very important component of the Gucci success. Caring speaks about its tripod. And when we look at 2015-2016, we all clearly recognize the leadership of Marco Bizzari and the creativity of Alessandro Micheli. But I think Jacopo Venturini was another important architect of the Gucci success. The fact that Gucci saw Venturini move out to become CEO of Valentino, to go back to Valentino and become CEO of Valentino, I consider a significant loss. So there was, I think, a need for high-profile merchandising leadership. There was also the idea, I believe, that makes sense to potentially provide to more mainstream and conservative consumers higher price options when it comes to Gucci products. This is what I would understand as brand elevation. Under the Jacopo Venturini's framework, the most expensive products would be the most fashion-intensive ones, and then you would have two other layers in the collection with, let's say, a relatively more mainstream portion of the collection costing 30 or 40% less than the catwalk collection, and then the plain vanilla collection that the more conservative consumers would buy, which would be another 30% or so cheaper. There's no reason you could argue to get the plain vanilla collection at that pricing level. You could imagine that conservative consumers would be prepared to spend more. And I think introducing more expensive variations of that collection makes sense. I guess this is a lot of what brand elevation means. The other important change is the creation of a new position, which is the studio design director. From what I understand, this position is going to report to Alessandro Michele while the merchandising and uh, brand elevation responsibility will report to the CEO. And we wonder, we don't know who is occupying this position, but uh, we wonder whether this could potentially provide new creative energy to the Gucci brand, new ideas and uh, a sense of interest for consumers. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of The Business of Fashion. When I first started writing BOF, it was out of pure passion for this industry and with an eye to how the disruptive forces of digitization, globalization, and consumer shifts would change the way fashion works. 
15 years later, we are well on our way to helping to define the fashion business of the future. As I travel the world, some of you ask me what's the best way to support BOF as we continue to act as your guide during these turbulent times. The best way to support BOF is to support our journalism by joining BOF Professional, the largest community of fashion professionals in the world. A BOF Professional membership gives you access to our agenda-setting insights and analysis, which you won't find anywhere else, plus the opportunity to learn from our talented team of correspondents and editors, as well as our wider network of the fashion industry's leading creatives, thinkers, and futurists. Follow the link in the episode notes to learn more. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. In your experience, does brand elevation ever work? Is it possible to move up market how long does it typically take and is it only these sort of mega labels that are able to pull it off or do you think it's still really challenging for a brand even like gucci that feels unassailable in some ways to be fair brand elevation rarely works but we have landmark examples in this industry of other mega brands achieving very significant success with it if we look at louis vuitton for example and what they did with the introduction of Capucine and everything that followed that introduction, it's clear that Vuitton managed to successfully to move up market with a lot of its handbags. 15 years ago, maybe we were thinking about Vuitton in terms of Damien monogram and canvas products, but today the brand has changed. I would say that in order for brand elevation to be successful, you probably need strong momentum and you clearly need scale because that will require a significant marketing investment and significant support. In this respect, Gucci is part of the club because Gucci is one of the very few brands in our industry with 10 billion euros in sales. And that I think is very, very important because that gives them a scale advantage in an industry that is driven by fixed costs. So the current strategy, McKaylee has been in this job for seven years or so. I don't know what the average time for a creative director is these days. It's probably three to five years, but in the more successful situations, it tends to be 10, 15 years. 
there are no more Karl Lagerfelds in this world. So at some point he will move on or likely in the next few years or maybe in the next 10 years, maybe he'll be there for 25 more years, who knows. But there's a big chance that at some point he'll move on. What are the things that Gucci is putting in place now that will make it easier to transition into a new creative director? They've had three big ones in the last 30 years. How can they prepare for that next transition? Clearly, when you depend so much from one star creative director who is on top of all of the key decisions from a catwalk collection to communication to in-store merchandising and social media content and so on, changing creative directors is a very material risk for the business. The way I think one would want to manage a transition like that is to try and de-risk this choice. Uh, what I've seen is that the bigger the brand, the more they rely on teams of creative talent that collaborate on an equal level and can take responsibility of different parts of the collection. If we take Vuitton again, or if we take Hermes, we clearly find different people involved in different parts of the business. And that, I think, creates a situation where changing one out of four, one out of five, is a much less risky proposition than changing the all-powerful and all-encompassing creative director that would sit at the top of the business. So it's, in a way, it is moving from a prima donna to a teamwork effort, which reduces the risk and uh, creates a smoother potential transition. I'm not sure whether the creation of a design studio director is a step in this uh, direction or not. We will have to see. We don't know yet who is going to occupy that uh, position and whether that is going to be sole responsibility or whether it could potentially transform into something different. But our research indicates that today, if we look at the impact, the positive impact that successful creative directors produce on businesses, they tend to peak after five years. And uh, after five years, there's a bit of a declining trend. And uh, this seems to be the situation at Gucci as well. And so many of these commercial directors who sit under the creative director have gone on to do their own thing and are hugely, hugely talented. I thinking about a lot of the people who were under Marc Jacobs at Louis Vuitton and under Nicola Jesquer as well. And then there's also Chloe Natasha, who was under Nicola at Louis Vuitton, went to Chloe. And then there was Julie from Louis Vuitton, who started her own thing and did Sonia Riquiel for a while. Now there's Camille is at Pucci. So that commercial director position has become increasingly important. So it makes sense that Gucci would incorporate that sort of role into their architecture as well, I suppose. Possibly so. And the other thing we need to take into account is that having talent within the organization and making sure that that talent blossoms the way it should is two different things. When you think about the irony that Alessandro Michele had been within the Gucci creative department for a long time, 10 years, 
before taking the helm, and Gucci had uh, suffered quite a significant amount of travail. And then, as he stepped up and took direct responsibility, the Gucci brand went for an extraordinary and brilliant relaunch. So sometimes getting the talent in place is not enough. You need to give them breathing room. You need to give them independence. And I think that uh, this is what we see when we see these various talents move out of larger organizations and then do wonderful things in other brands. By the way, I think this is one potential major advantage that conglomerates like Kering and LVMH have against competitors because they can potentially get the top talented managers and creative people move from one brand to the other and reach higher and higher responsibilities in terms of sales and in terms of brands as they mature. Certainly. Last question for you. Gucci has said it wants to reach 15 billion euros a year in annual sales. And I believe it's at over 10 billion at this point. How achievable do you think that is? That would put it at the top of the market. And if it's achievable, how can they do it? And how long will it take? What we saw at the Capital Market Day, it was defined as an ambition so it didn't say what is the time frame and the year when this target will be reached. It is possible for luxury brands to reach that level. In our estimates, Vuitton last year had sales for close to 18 billion euros. So 15 billion is possible. I guess it will depend very much on how Gucci manages to reignite its creative activity and uh, rekindle interest from consumers. It could take a very short amount of time. If we are to use the yardstick of the Alessandro Michele years, the brand was growing at 50% per year or, or close to that. Clearly, we're not anticipating a repeat of that performance, which is unique in the history of the industry. But in theory, this is eminently possible. And I guess that caring is organizing and starting to put the elements in place to achieve this goal. Luca, thank you so much for joining me. Always a pleasure to speak to the legend. <laughs> thank you very much indeed, Lauren. It was my pleasure and thank you for inviting me. Of course. You have been listening to The Debrief, produced and edited, as always, by Emma Clark, Kate Vartan, and Eric Bria in the BOF studio. I'm Lauren Sherman, and I'll be back next Wednesday with a new episode. Thanks so much for joining us, and be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. You can join BOF Professional today with an exclusive 25% discount on an annual membership covering key industry topics from sustainability to technology to marketing, with access to our case studies, live events, and iOS app. To get this special offer and benefit from 25% off of a membership, head to the link in the episode show notes or enter the coupon code DEBRIEF at checkout. Visit businessoffashion.com slash memberships. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.